We continue with James chapter 12, verse 2. Um, and and for, well, we, we're slipping into that time zone, uh, but as a recap of the works, so if your faith is without works, that is dead, said another way, uh, but let's try this. How do you know if, what's the difference between a body and a corpse? Body is like a corpse that's weight. A corpse is a body without life. A corpse is a body without life. Conversely, then a body is implied that a body must have life to be referred to as a body. Like a feminine is like, oh, the body was found. Well, but true, but it's a corpse as well. But people sort of say the body, and we know what they mean. But, but, but from the statement, you gather that the body is without life. Um, but generally, bodies have life. And corpse never. There's never reference to a corpse that suggests that the person is alive. Even though you might, depending on how it is used, it could be inferred that you know, there's a possibility, depending on how you use it, that the body might be suggestive that it has life. But you don't normally say, hey, you can say, I don't want any body, meaning any person. Um, but if you said you reference to a body, just a thought as the body being the subject, it's it's implied in your general okay. language, you know, in terms of communication. If you say body, it is generally saying the body, unless it's just even purely scientifically talking about the constituents of the body. But otherwise, if you refer to the individual as the body, a body, then it is really generally inferred or implied that it is without life. But when you hear corpse, there's no hesitation, um, no doubt that that is dead. If somebody says, um, I have, or there was a resurrection of the body, or a corpse, is there necessarily has to be an evidence of the same? To support that view? If somebody says there was a resurrection yeah. of course. Right. They're telling you this. Um, and then, you, of course, the next question would be, well, when, where, or how do you know? Yeah. Um, it is what it is. Because if the person was accidentally shot or died in some means, and then they tell me a day later, or a few hours later, headline news, he it, it is alive again. You say, what? Evidence. evidence. What would be an evidence that a body is alive? And a corpse is no longer a corpse, because I guess once life is uh, evidence of life, 
the designation of corpse no longer exists. So what would be an example of an evidence that the resurrection or that life it has returned to the body. So that's breathing. And if you're breathing, that it suggests that something else has to be happening. Yeah. It's almost like a chain reaction. Yeah, chicken. Chicken. Chicken, chicken. Chicken like a chicken. Chicken. Chicken? Heart chicken. Which suggests that if the heart takes that has to have instruction from another place. The brain. Aha. Uh -huh. So there needs to be some brain activity. But what about people who are in a coma? Is there any brain activity? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's brain activity. Brain dead. Brain dead. Brain dead. And they say, but they have life support. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah, you have brain activity. Just conscious. Outside. Something happened. Yeah, because sometimes, like, when you watch some documentaries, the person in a coma, but then it's be like, oh, I could have heard you. Mm hmm. Because it depends on which part of the brain mm -hmm. is affected. Uh, because if you're in a coma, it doesn't mean that your heart don't beat, and you may not have like a like a pacemaker. That part of the brain that automatically makes your heart beat may still be functional, but those are the periphery area of the brain that deals with your senses. It may not be on. So, with faith and works. Abraham's example used earlier. Abraham, it even talks about the devil or angels, those fallen angels who believe, uh, the devil believed in God. What's the difference between, but that can come from nothing. Is there a difference between believe? I think that was around verse 20, 19, 19, 20. Let's see if it's true. Uh, yeah, 19. You believe that God is one. You do well. The demons also believe and shudder. The demons believe and do, and then there's a response. Shudder. That means it's a cold water churning. But they believe. But does that count for, their, for them towards faith? So that's something different. They just have like a mental acknowledgement of that fact. God is one. They understand that. Yeah, I mean, struggle because of it, but it doesn't mean that they have faith or uh, trust in God. Trust. So there's a difference between I believe in and trusting in context. Context, yeah. They believe, but they know that God is one. They know who Jesus is. Um, but they can't. See, I think it's a kind of relevant, but they cannot come to faith anyway. Uh, Hebrews chapter 2 says uh, He gives help. He does not give help to the angels, but He gives help to the descendants, descendants of Abraham. So. The angels in that context would be like fallen angels. He doesn't help them. But their, their one decision is final. Yeah. 
They, they, they cannot be reversed. They cannot be reversed. So that is fate for them. I don't think they need it. But there's no hope for redemption for them. Because they don't trust. Well, come back to trust. They chose not to. Yeah. They acknowledge, as you said, mentally or intellectually. Yeah, I believe God is. He exists. He's real. All the other stuff or attributes were God. But for me now, placing trust in Him to be, I'm for that. So there's a difference in that regard. Whereas when we say, yeah, you have people say, I believe there's God. I believe, yeah, yeah. But they have not moved to the point of trusting Him. Uh, in that case, where we, well, that can be like an evidence of the faith. That you say you believe, but you have no faith in it. It's a faith to trust in. So faith that is work-less is worth-less. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Abraham demonstrated that. You have faith, he demonstrated, look at my works. So the evidence, evidence only, is there a difference between something being an evidence or being essential? Let's say, for example, good morning. What? I'm going to take it back. I see. So if we say faith, do you think James is saying that if you have no faith, if you have no works, you have no faith? Uh-huh. Or if he's saying, if you really had faith, it must be preceded by what? Exactly. Uh, works would be the evidence of faith. Um, it demonstrates to people that I have faith, so when they see me doing things, so, yeah, when they see me doing good works, They'll say, well, hey, why is he doing this? Then you can say, hey, because I have faith. Sorry. Uh, right. You're dead, buddy. The breathing, walking, movement. That's what the word says. Okay. So, if works is not then essential to faith. In other words, I can't say I have faith if I have no works. If I have faith, well, let's put it, let me reverse it. Listen carefully, they say. He that have ears to hear, let them hear. If I say I have works, I automatically have faith. No? If I say I have faith, I automatically have works. Is there a possibility that one is essential and one is evidence? Essential to what? If I say I have 
works. Works then is essential or is it just purely falls in the category of evidence that I have faith? Is works essential to faith? Or just it's fall in the evidentiary category? <laughs> I would have said it's evidence of faith. Essential. See, I, when you say when you say essential, I think essential to what? Like, because I don't want someone to think works is essential to salvation. No, but uh, because if you're a Christian, that means you love faith and you do good works. That works is evidence of your faith, uh, and it is. You see, when they say faith without works is dead, it shows the um, necessity of doing good works because it's saying to people who come into contact with um, that it is necessary for people to see, other than that, your faith is worthless um, in the eyesight of people that it doesn't you're hypocritic to say you're a Christian and you don't live that like that. So it's essential um, only in the sense of demonstrating what I already say I have, but it's not essential for my salvation um, like to go to heaven type of thing, but it's essential for people to see so that they can know from the cognizant of the fact that I have faith. It's essential to direct people in. My, my works is essential for Christian living to direct people to faith. Well, let's try this as another shoe size. So, and let's use, use the body analogy because it might be a little bit more clear. If I say Let's put just a simple thing, the, the, the pulse that you have. Pulse is an evidence that you are alive. Yeah? Yeah, yeah? Uh, okay. If I reverse that and say, but pulse itself, the pulse does not essential for me, in other words, it does not give me life. Right? It's an evidence that I am alive. So it's not the, the, the aliveness. Yeah, it's not the yeah. cause. It's not the cause. Yeah. So it's not essential <laughs> in the sense that the cause. Yeah. Essential being equivalent to the cause of my aliveness. It's an indication that I am alive. Yeah? So people who say, are you dying? Whatever, you meet them seemingly passed out or unconscious and, you, and you're talking, shaking them and they, their eyelids tend to move. You know, and if the eyelid moves, the, the movement of the eyelid, you might say, oh, he's alive. Now, or would you say the movement of the, or the ability or the capacity to move your eyelid cause you life? Or is it evidence that you do have life? Amen. So if we think of works like that, then it probably simplifies it in that it, it is an evidence of my faith. But it does not give me 
faith. It is not the essential cause of my faith. Then I remove that potential impediment to understanding. Now we slip down the road. Just wanted to clarify that to see what James had to say about people who have tongue. I understand, according to James, that people's tongue are attached to their thoughts. Is that true? That's called TNT. It's not TNT. Amazing. <laughs> yeah, I like TNT. Yeah, yeah. Tongue and thought. Chapter 3. Verse 1. Used to read like this. Let not many of you become teachers. Uh oh. That's my quote for teachers every time we talk. My brethren and sisterin, knowing that as such we shall incur a stricter judgment. Uh -huh. So no, okay. For we all stumble in many ways. If anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able to bridle the whole body as well. Now, if we put the bits into the horse's mouth so that they may obey us, we direct their entire body as well. Behold, the ships also, though they are so great and are driven by strong winds, are still directed by a very small rudder, wherever the inclination of the pilot or the captain desires. So also, the tongue is a small part, a rudder, if you please, of the body. And yet, it boasts of great things. Behold, how great a forest is set aflame by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire. The very world is of iniquity. Yes, it says, the tongue is set among our members as that which defiles the entire body and sets on fire the cause of our life and is set on fire by hell. For every species of beast and birds of reptiles and creatures of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by the human race. But no one can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil and full of deadly poison. With it, we bless our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse men who have been made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come both blessings and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be this way. Does a fountain send out from the same opening both fresh and bitter water? Good question. Verse 12. Can a fig tree, my brethren, produce an olive or a wine produce figs? Neither can salt water produce fresh. Yea, we pause here before we go to verse 13 to the end of the chapter, which is verse 18. Let's go back to the beginning. <laughs> the tongue. I heard a song 
I heard it again last night, in that um, whatever that movie mom is making me watch. Yeah, Douglas. Gabby. She is probably sleep. No, no, she's sleep. Oh, oh, oh. oh boy. Yeah. Yes. So blessed. Um, so um, they were singing. This girl is on fire. That's what the song is. This girl is on fire. And they did not call the fire engine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But that, I see why she's on fire. The tongue is on fire. That's what it said. Let not many of you become teachers, my brethren, knowing that such. We will incur restricted judgment. That's so scary. For we all stumble in many ways, and unless not stumble in what we say, he is a perfect man, able to abide in his whole body. Wow. Now, now we put in the horse. Boy, I saw the horse on TV, the Bahamian horse on TV recently. They picked the worst horse to show. Those horses are anorexia horse. Yikes. And then they put the thing in the horse mouth. Beside, imagine walking on beside, cross the all day. Yeah. Yeah. All that is for vanity. Cross the arms, they have you, but cross as a linear line, I just want you to know. But they put that eye in the cross, and by the tie, something, and then pull it back. You know. And they tell the horse, go to the left. I thought I'd say, I don't go. So, you might not say, but I had intention of going to the right, you know, and they pulled to the left. And so, to sort of ease the pressure or the pain, the discomfort, he was straight his body up a line of, okay, you know. But for horse, they say, you know. But if you want to steer that big body animal, you put a little metal thing across his mouth. And why he opened his mouth to let them do that in the first place is beyond my horse ability. So, four horse, you give him some grass seed or hay and they put it at their tie. If you want to, I'm told from just watching, I guess, if you pull both of them at the same time, that's to make them stop. Yes? Because you're pulling his head down. Because you find the weakest spot, I guess, because you can talk to them, say, would you please stop? I guess if you've been with us long enough, they may stop on verbal command. You know, these ones here, and most of them who ride them with a rein attached, is designed as a certain thing. If you pull it, it's stuck, and it is stuck because I can't see where I'm going. And so they put the blinders on them too, so that they're not easily distracted. You know, I want you to go ahead, so clip, clop, clip, clop, that's where you go. Go on. But you just use that little thing, that little small thing to control that whole body. You know, now when they develop something that controls them how to use and when to use the toilet, that would be a major accomplishment because they drop it on the road as they leave. You know, uh huh. Some people have the bag, but the bags are not adjusted. You know, unfortunately, they have to wear a bag, like some humans have to wear them for kidney purposes. So, anyway, a horse analogy. Small, a horse, they also use a big ship using a rudder. A little thing in the back to steer this big boat. If you look at uh, um, those ships that come into a harbor, it'd be interesting to see what's underneath in terms of what steers it, what makes it turn. And compared to the entire ship, this rudder is relatively small. And so James here makes the point. He uses the rudder on the ship, the horse. He also uses the um, forest, which is, could be a large place, and you can start that whole forest on fire with a little spark, a little fire. 
and then people sing the song. It only takes a spark to get a fire going, going. Yes, you see, and then you call the fire engine. Yes, you say somebody is an arsonist. Yes, set the forest on fire. But then he tells me when it comes to a human tongue. It seems to be uncontrollable, but to just watch what you say. But, and if somebody says, this my mouth, especially the behemoth, this my mouth, babe. I say what I want to say, when I want to say, to who I want to say, wherever I want to say it. So you have something to do, you have a problem with that? Yeah? The tongue on fire. Now this is not because you're eating hot sauce or something pepper. How do we control that? And again, the audience is still the same. We didn't change audience. These are Christians who have this funny tongue. It's called hot tongue. Some people say, well, you have a hot head, hot tongue, you know, um, smoking. You got to be joking. No, this is real. He says this. But again, those examples he used to bring the point. So also the tongue is a small part, verse 5 of the body, and yet it boasts of great things. Yeah, this is a tongue, but it says something else. Behold, yes, a great forest, and the tongue is a fire, the words of iniquity. Yes, verse 6. And this tongue is set among other members. Is it, is it possible for your tongue to get the rest of your body in trouble? Yes. yes. And the bombs, and it can get other, you know, other people. So the other people, just by association, you know, could be in close proximity with the tongue. Because you can say we, when the people who make a we even know you, you know. But you can say we see, we saw, we we did. Huh? And so the net is drawn, and that's an amazing thing. And so I think James is so current and relevant to where we live. And he's, and I guess in those days, people had tongue back then too. But this suggests that there should be a correlation between tongue and thought, your mind. When somebody, when you hear or it appears as if there's no connection between the tongue and the mind, how do we normally label those people? Stupid. Stupid. What? <laughs> that was so quick. <laughs> this is so fluid, you know. This is an instant, you know, microwave response, you know. You know, pop. You know, stupid. That's stupid. Did they think before they speak? No, I was going to say it, then I was going to think about it. How does that, that make sense? And so that's stupid. You know, the height we call it. It's a classic standard of stupidity. And people do that. And discoveries of stupid people. Indeed, indeed. And that shouldn't be. So how do we fix that in terms of being careful what you say? Oh, be careful, little tongue, mouth, mouth, feet go. And who? Yes, that's the song. These little nuggets smuggle into a song. <laughs> nuggets of truth. Yeah, yeah. But this body, that the tongue can set the whole stuff on fire, and even the course of your life, 
Is it possible to say something today that has an effect on your whole life, the course of your life, for the next 20 years? Yes. Right? Do you think some people are where they are today because they said something in a moment? And that's where they are. And to change the course, just like you run on the boat, change the course, and you end up going that way. And sometimes it's not difficult by re-saying it, or maybe sometimes even apologizing for what was said here. You're ready to go down this path, because it's almost as if it's almost a one-way path. You know, fortunately, when there's some way, maybe there's some restitution. It doesn't change the path, because you will travel that path. That is just added now to your repertoire of, or repertoire of experiences that you would have had. But usually you wouldn't have to go that path, you wouldn't have to experience that, had you not, or had you given careful thought before you allowed your tongue to speak on its own, instead of having a civil war between your mind and your tongue. You know, they were not getting along well, and so the tongue says, I'm independent of your thought. Don't tell me what to say, who you think you are, you know? You know you need me, you know, talking to the thought like that. Thought thinking, yeah, but you're just an expression, an instrument of expression of what I think. I don't need you, I can speak, I don't need you. So I would say what I want to say, da 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 you know, so, that's it. So even though you don't want me to say that because that's going to make you look stupid, they're not going to criticize your tongue, they can call you stupid. Isn't that amazing? The tongue calls it, but the whole body gets blamed for it. You know, they said, you stupid, what do you And so your ears hear it, ears are doing the right thing in recording as it usually does your official gospel. So it tells your brain what is out there in the environment. He says, they call you stupid. Now, brain has to determine what to do with that. Um, who caused that? Tongue. <laughs> you. Now, does brain then instruct the jaw to bite the tongue to get revenge? No. Sometimes when it happens, it does hurt. I'm told. You know, <laughs> it's amazing. But this is the analogy of the power of this little member. And so all James who very stylistically created a picture, a word picture that you can't miss in terms of thinking. Be careful what you say. But are we careful about what we say? And the impact, the power of the tongue. It can go both ways. What? Well, let's put this way. But let me use an example there. I'm giving the examples from uh, contemporary sets. Yes. It says, no one can tame this tongue. What do you mean by that in verse 9? Hey, no one can tame the tongue. It is a rest. It's an evil that is restless. Some people just can't keep their mouth shut. They feel like they have to say something, and whatever they say, it is not edifying. It is usually destructive. And some people feed on that diet because that's what they like. And they say, give me more, tell me more. And when you run out, they'll go to the next person. You have any land? Any gossip? You know, and by this time, that one is starting up getting collecting data away. And so, when they could, I come back, say, get anything juicy to tell me? Now, of course, they don't use those terms, but they come back into the same slot, you know, pool of stagnant, dirty, stink water, and lick up all of that filthy gossip. And they are eating it with delight. You know, it's amazing. But that's the truth if you put it in pictorial or word picture. But that's what they do. But this is what it says here. For night, it is restless evil and full of deadly poison. Ooh. Tongue with poison. And some people say, tell me, give me more poison. Now, what happened to that? Some people feed a poison and they enjoy it. But that's not strange. We see that happen every day. 
people go to the bar and they say, well, let's call it up at the gas station. They fill it up. You know, they're talking about this little mug, this little guy. And then they hit me again. <laughs> this is not a terminal game, you know, throwing up another car or someone They hit me. Yeah. That's not what it is. They want more of the same thing. But if you understand that it is poison, in other words, be careful what you take in in terms of what someone says to you as well. So there is also, now that we read this, we have to be careful. Not only what we say, but what is being said to us. We need to have a filter so that we can process. I need to know what it is. I have to have my antidote to this poison that comes from people. Because some people do it in mind, but some of this poison tastes good. Just a good bear, you know, or apple juice. Even the case like plastic flakes is amazing. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's, it's just so, so they will, they will disguise these things. They will disguise these things. So you then, boy, that is giving us extra work to do. That means you can't trust anything. You know, we have to be like the Bereans of those days. We have to process the stuff. You know, check everything out to see whether or not it lines up with what is truth. Which suggests again, we have to have a basic understanding of what that is. Otherwise, there are some cunning people out there who will seek to persuade us, to deceive us. They are full, their tongue is a world full of deceit. Not receipt. Deceit. Yeah. You know, they ain't getting nothing for it. You know, to say, yeah, you paid for that. Yeah. But you may not like what you get. But we need to be very careful of that. But that's our time. Restless. Restless never stop. You sometimes wonder, why don't they stop talking? We've had some instances like that. Especially when some people are talking to you, you know. You say, I wish they stop talking hardly. On and on and on. And it's nonsense. I have no interest in it. But they are just leaking out the stuff. Oh, stop. You walk away and they're walking behind you. you know? It's so annoying, I'm told, you know. But the ass is carrying it to the brain, doing its job. Some people put their hand over the air, but it doesn't work, you know, because sound can penetrate that. Oh, look at the clock on the wall, that know that fellow. Yeah, but that's that's what's going on. Here's verse 9. Said, With it, we bless the Lord. Yes, bless the Lord. That's the same term, by you, by the way, that is restless and full of deadly poison. And you turn it around. Somebody says, bless the Lord, oh my son. And all that is position. Bless his holy name. And then they turn around, somebody missing step on their toe. And then they go to the next part. And with it, they curse. See the word? Because, you know, Behemoth is a strange word. C-U-R-S-E is curse. And since Behemoth always takes like shortcut, they take this ass so much less in there. And so they go, see you, and they hey, just take the ass. Let's go ahead and curse. We curse men. <laughs> who have been made in the likeness. They say, God, you're so good and wonderful. All that you do is good. Except this man, he tells, do you see what she tells me? And they bite the lips before they cuss these people out. And in, they cuss them going and coming, up and down, left and right, day in and day out, from sunrise to sunset. They have nothing good to say, but yet they say, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Blessed be the name of the Lord. He is so good. That's the same tongue. You know, this is a serious thing. Some people should take it out, put it on the shelf, lock it up. Yes, should incarcerate the tongue. Yeah, take it to box up. Imagine they have to sell it here where they have only tongue behind the bar. That should be an interesting sight. Yeah. 
soundless, yeah, disconnected from that body we were talking about earlier. Yeah, because while it is attached, it's not followed, it dictates off a careful thought process, it can get your whole body in trouble because not only is it as restless, evil, and it's full of deadly poison, it talks about it's like on fire. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, verse 6 tells me that. And, and so you may refer to the tongue as a sheep. No, 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 so she's on fire. People know me. Uh, okay. And let's wait. Let's back. Now, from the same mouth comes both blessings and cussing. Yes. Yes. Brethren, these things ought not to be that way. Another. Now, by the way, here's how I like to ask questions, Niger. Why would you have to say that to these Christians? Do you really suspect that there were some Christians back there? who were doing these things and James said, that kind of weak that shouldn't be. Now, I guess if people outside of faith, then that probably is not abnormal. Because they have no income. Well, no loyalty to this other moral, godly standard. Do as you please. I am my own God. You know, as long as I burn, give them some corn, some milk, and some other sacrifice. Yeah, I'm okay. I good for the next year. But this other God you all talking about, this one who says you place faith as he starts at the beginning of this chapter and identifies himself, this, this, these are Christians. And these Christians, why you have to tell Christians these things? Do you think Christians would have forgotten? Do you think some Christians were doing these things? Blessing? God, this tongue, they had the same tongue. We didn't have to. Is it possible that their tongue was not sanctified? Scary. You know. So. Well, I think, yeah, uh, we know some Christians, just like everyone else, is prone to. Shortfalls. Yeah, shortfalls and saying things that they shouldn't say with their tongue. So he's addressing general membership of the church as well as the leaders or those who want to be leaders like in verse 1 and he says not many of you become teachers my brethren like that as such we will incur strict judgment then he says for or because you stumble in many ways if anyone does not stumble in what he says there's a stumble he's a perfect man able to bridle the whole body as well so if anyone doesn't stumble in what they say he's able to control his body well so then he goes on giving the analogy of the horse's mouth and the ship. And it seems to be talking about um, like whatever someone is teaching. Uh, because if you teach something incorrectly or in error, someone can read that off straight. Uh, verses that, like verse 6, and the tongue is a fire, the very word of iniquity. The tongue is set among our members as that which defiles the entire body. So false doctrine could defile the entire body. Um, it said many people on fire. It sets the course of our life and set on fire by hell. So the end goal, not end goal, but the destination for those people who have been led astray is hell. Um, but he's also speaking to the general membership of the church, telling them that whatever you say can destroy other people and it's not coming up. Person who is in Christ should not be, he says. Should not be. 
this kind of thing is serious thing, and I, I, I think we will, let's pause it because of time constraints only. Um, but we will let it pick up because this section that talks about, uh, you're telling me about this tongue here, when we get over to verse 13, 13 and following, in terms of now, uh, I hear about that, uh, how do we, what not to do, a lot of that is what not to. First, it describes what it is and what not to. Now, tell me how to, what am I supposed to do? in terms of our application of uh, wisdom. Because I have this tongue. I accept the fact and I appreciate you reminding us that, hey, none of us are perfect. You know, and we have the same tongue that has a propensity. Remember, it's small, you know, and those people who say they're teaching because you have a captive audience. People are sitting there, and some of you are saying, I want to be a teacher too. Really? Where you want to cap? It's not like your casual social interaction one, and some people listen to you, but, but some people come expressly to say, I'm going to listen to what this person said. As if what this person has to say is significant and important. And if you mislead people, it can be serious, serious thing. Yeah. Like some of my friends who were passed through the road who said some things about um, And they carry a whole group of society people who call themselves, uh, um, we are now, they are the little cat, we are Christian. Jehovah's Witnesses, other than just Jehovah's Witnesses. <laughs> and so they get the language down, right? They're saying Christian, yeah, and so people say, all right, these are Christians. And if you did not know some other things about them, yeah, you would know. Did you know that God hired Jesus' body, the resurrection? They don't believe that Jesus was resurrected, you know. They use the word, but they don't believe that. And so everybody who was in millions of them believed that Jesus was not resurrected. So what did he get? God hide the body. Oh, yes. Yeah. So God is deceitful, isn't he? Isn't that? That's the natural draw. But they don't, use, they don't like the way that question is posed to them. If you ask them directly, did the body of Jesus resurrect? Tell them, don't give you no complicated answer, just the one question, <laughs> you know, just yes or no. So, so, whatever time of day it is, I can't take much. So just answer this in a yes or no format for me. I'm going to try to pose the question as clearly as I know how at the moment, based on the time of day that Did the physical body that went into the grave, was, and the one that had them nailed going through, that had scars on it, did that body come back out, and was that resurrected? And that's it. Then the rest of the question mark. Yeah. And then wait. I'm interested in the answer for that because different people will tell me different things. Well, and then you want to say, well, scripture said, please. <laughs> I want you to just tell me in your very synoptic form. What does scripture say in yes or no? Then I'm going to ask you for the evidence. Right now, I just want a short answer like yes or no. Three letters or two. Yes or no. But then the rest of them go every week to that, and they go on the road, not on your door. They don't tell you that at all, but they don't believe that in what. What you saw, Jesus is totally spirit, physical man. And the fact is, where is the body is the question that follows that. <laughs> that's the one for, uh, you know, where's the body? <laughs> and that's the one that is so crazy. Then for them to tell you what the really is teaching, is most people don't answer, where's the body? God is hiding it, saving it for the future, and he's going to show it to people like a memorial, you know, like a sort of frame the body so it's beyond display like a museum. <laughs> 
Stand close. Yes. <laughs> Let us pray. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for what we had today. Jesus, amazing. Thank you because he didn't get it out of his own thought, but you, um, through the inspired word, instructed him to write it by the Holy Spirit. And we thank you that we have access to it, that we can engage ourselves in it, so that we can enter into the truths that are there, that we can apply to where we are today. Thank you. And we ask your blessing on our time together today with other members of the incredible body of Christ. In Jesus' name, amen.